all right? Here's what I wanted you to get. It was study the book of Psalms. Number one, that God, through Revelation, through the book of Psalms, is going to reveal to heal. Revelation is here. You're going to get revelation. You're going to get resistance, and God is calling for our response. God is looking to show us revelation. God is going to show us the places where we, have, we are resistant to his word. He's going to call us to respond. Emotionally healthy worship starts with revelation. God, through his word, every single time we open our Bibles, is revealing something to us. And here's what God does in Revelation. I want to give you this. The revelation, God reveals to heal. He reveals it to heal it. He reveals it to heal it. I want you to really hear this. God reveals something in his word. When somebody speaks life over you, when prayer is given, when the word of the Lord speaks, when God speaks to you, God reveals it to heal it. There are things in our lives when God reveals your past, when God agitates a sin in your life. We're going to read through some scriptures in the book of Psalm where it's going to be the sin that individual dealt with. Whether it was David, whether it was Moses, whether it was the sons of Korah, there was sin they dealt with, and God reveals it that we might heal it. God does not reveal the sin or the pain in your life to hurt you. God reveals to heal. Secondly, God reveals to push. The revelation of God, the beautiful thing about revelation is that the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ comes into our lives so that we might stay in line with the word of God. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16 tells us this, that every single, just 6, verse 17, tells us this, that every single day we wake up with an opportunity to go down two paths of life. We can go down the path of wisdom, we can go down the path of folly. Revelation keeps us going down the path of wisdom, the path that's going to lead us closer and closer to Christ. Revelation comes to heal Revelation comes to push. Don't resist the revelation of God. The book of Psalms is only going to show us the places and how we resist the gospel. The book of Psalms is going to show us the times where the people would hear the word of God and said no. The book of Psalms is going to show us the ways that we hear the word of God and say no. And prayerfully, this book, this time together, will cause us to stop resisting revelation. I want to tell you this. It is a privilege to hear the word of God. I must say this again. There are people across the country, no, sorry, across the world. There are individuals in China who are un underground churches, and there's stories that are told that one person has one page of Bible, another person has another page of a Bible, and they hide in caves and hide in homes, and, and, and they have secret ways of getting together just so they could read the Word of God. And yet, here we go to church every Sunday and resist what God has to say. God reveals his power, his passion, his glory to us, and we resist the word of God. The book of Psalms is going to show us what happens when we're consistent in resistance. What would happen in your life if, you stop, if God stopped talking to you? But yet we resist when God talks to us. I want to challenge us that when God begins to reveal God's self, reveal what God is doing, reveal the different ways that God is evolving in your life, reveal the different ways that God can deepen your prayer life, that you lean into the revelation instead of resisting it. Where would your life be? How deep would your prayer, where would your marriage be? Where would your children be if you didn't resist the word of God? And thirdly, it's calling for our response. Enter into his gates with what? Thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? Because the Lord is good. God is calling for our response. Church on Sunday is the place to respond to how good God is. I will bless the Lord when at all times. What, what, what am I going to do? And his praise will continue. Bless the Lord from where? Oh, my soul. What's in me? And all that is within me. Bless his soul. Psalms are going to show us there is a response to the revelation of God. There is a response to the revelation of God's glory. That's where generosity, you see people just go and give. Originally in scripture, they gave everything. The response to the gospel is beautiful. And the book of Psalms is going to help our response. So now we're not resistant to responding but we look for ways to respond to the word of God. So as we engage this, as we engage in reopening our church, mental well-being, as we engage in even this partnership of pastor and people, I want us to walk through the book of Psalms and have emotionally healthy worship. Emotionally healthy worship. Because let me give you this. In worship, I'll come over here. In worship, singing gives us our emotions, right? We're, we're going to sing and praise and worship. My heart is open. My spirit is open, and I'm receiving from God or I'm giving to God. Let me give you this. There are two hand postures for your hands. There is the receiving position. Everybody at home, if you would, the receiving position. My hands are open. I'm ready to receive from God, all right? 
And then there's the giving position. My hands are out. I'm giving the Lord praise. There's a difference in your worship. In your worship, we're singing songs. Lord, I love you more than anything. I'm not receiving, I'm giving. I love you more than anything. Pass me out, our gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. And while in others thou art calling, don't pass me by. I'm not receiving. I'm giving praise unto God. And then there are times I'm receiving. I'm receiving mercy. I'm receiving joy. Your grace and mercy. I'm receiving. Brought me through. I'm receiving. There's a difference between giving and receiving. And so, so what Psalm shows us is that singing, praise and worship, is so vital to our worship experience and agitates, opens our emotions. Preaching the gospel gives us clarity, right? So the goal of the gospel, whenever we get up and preach the gospel, is to give us clarity to our emotions, right? So now I'm, I'm, I'm giving God, my heart is open, my heart is rended, and then here comes the word of God. And the word of God gives clarity to what I'm feeling. That's growth. That's disciple-making. That's disciple-movement. And then disciple-making then is living and moving with healthy and clear emotions and actions. That's what Psalms gives us. So let me walk through the book of Psalms, and I love doing this. You're going to get this from me all the time. The big idea of the book of Psalms. Psalms are songs and prayers. The Psalms show us that we can communicate with God through a variety of circumstances, songs, and emotions. We walk through this. Psalms are songs and prayers. The Psalms show us that we can communicate with God through a variety of circumstances, a variety of songs, and a variety of emotions. Let me, let me show you these three things why they're so important. Number one, your circumstances. There is no circumstance in your life that God can't handle. And the Psalms show us every one of these circumstances. In the Psalms, we'll see adultery. In the Psalms, we'll see infidelity. In the Psalms, we'll see addiction. In the Psalms, we'll see fear. We'll see worry. In the Psalms, we'll see depression. In the Psalms, we'll actually see the Psalm that David wrote when he was contemplating suicide. We're going to see all of these different circumstances in Scripture. We're going to see the Psalms when things were destroyed, when things were built. We're going to see the Psalms of joy, the Psalms of peace, the Psalms of adoration. God can handle your circumstances. We also see that it is through this creative piece, songs, that God allows us to be connected to God's self. Let me say this. I think we do a, a horrible job sometimes of not honoring the creatives. And the creatives are not just singers, but it's painters, it's speakers, it's public speakers, it's those who do poetry, it's those who, 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 inter who do interpretive dance. God, can, we can communicate with God through our creative spaces. The beautiful thing about our blackness, right? If I can talk to all my, my beautiful melanated brothers and sisters across the screen, the beautiful thing about our blackness is that we are creative, innovative people. You know, the Underground Railroad was creative. Oh, it was creative. The way that we figured out ways to be creative and navigate, the way that we were able to see and discern before the things got us, oh, we are some creative people. Harlem Renaissance, ooh. Some of y'all still got your clothes from the Harlem Renaissance. The Harlem Renaissance, baby, that thing was creative. Civil rights movement, as much as it was a movement of justice, it was a movement of creative people people who could create something out of nothing. We, as black and brown people, figured out ways to create something through our moanings. Old Negro spirituals, we created. We, we as black people, even today, create hip-hop is a creation of black. That's why people don't want to love black people, but they want black culture. Oh, y'all know I'm right. They, they, they I, wish we, I wish folk love black culture, love black people like they love black culture. I mean, church, we, we, we are creative people. And what it shows us is that your creativity, your body, your mind, your heart, your soul can communicate to God. So maybe you dance your prayers. Maybe you sing your prayers. Maybe you journal your prayers. Maybe you draw your prayers. Whatever that is, However you are, the goal of this is to communicate with God, all right? So the goal, that's what the book of Psalms is all about. So let's get to how Psalms fits into God's big story. So how do Psalms fit into the rest of Scripture? We can use our gifts to express something to God or about God. God is not afraid of our emotional prayers and our worst moments, and everything about our worship must be centered on Jesus. Now, let me, let me walk through this really quickly. First thing here, how does, God, how does Psalms fit into our big, God's big story in the bigger? So when I say God's big story, it's how do Psalms fit into the larger narrative of Scripture? I hope I'm helping you. The larger narrative of Scripture. How does it fit into the canon? First of all, your gift expresses something to God, and your gift expresses something about God. Every single person across this screen has a gift 
The reason some of us aren't using our gifts is because you don't like the gift. The reason some of us aren't using our gifts is because we wish we had a different gift. And then there are those of us who are using our gifts. And here's what your gifts do. Your gifts express something to God, and your gifts express something about God. You were created by God to build the kingdom of God. And you have the ability to save those who are far from God, to rebuild people, and to build God's kingdom. Psalms show us that every single gift that is necessary to tear down the stronghold that Satan has on this world is in the body of Christ. Every single gift. We want to eradicate homelessness in the church. Oh, it is. We just don't like it. We want to, want to, want to, want to cure mental, mental, we want to fix and get people uh, mentally well in the church. It is. Technology in the church. Healing families in the church. Every one of our gifts express something to God. So I hope in the book of Psalms what we're going to see here is how God will use your gift to do that and give strength to it. Because one of the places is, is the weaknesses we see of called people. Anointed people sometimes are insecure. And we're going to see how insecure anointed people, God will use them and strengthen their gift. Right? Number two, God is not afraid of your emotional prayers or our worst moments. God is not afraid of your emotional prayers and your worst moments. There is nothing so bad about you that you can't bring to God. There is nothing so bad about you that you can't bring yourself to God. And the book of Psalms shows us that the worst part of you, Jesus died for. So what if we work to heal and bring our emotions to God? Because sometimes what, the, what, what Scripture is going to show us is how there are times where the people would take their emotional prayers to other people instead of taking their emotional prayers to God. God is not afraid of you. Now, I said it on Sunday. I ain't scared of none of y'all. God literally says, I ain't scared of your worst moments and your emotional prayers. The last thing, everything about our worship must be centered on Jesus. The church fails when her focus gets off Jesus. The church fails when her focus gets off Jesus. If our focus is not on the resurrected body of Christ, we have failed. I want to be very clear about this. One thing you're going to get from me, I've said this over and over again, I'm word-centered and spirit-dependent. The the scriptures here, the preaching here is word-centered and spirit-dependent. Everything about worship must be centered on Jesus. The moment we we take our eyes from here and bring them down here is the moment we failed. Scriptures, Psalms teach us, be in God's story. Secondly, then we get to how do Psalms fit into my story? Oh, okay, how do Psalms fit into my story? Here's what the text shows us. Worshiping God is not limited to your external circumstances. My worship must be willing to be honest with God. And there is nothing that I can bring to God that God can't handle. So before is how it fit into scripture, the larger narrative, how Psalms is gonna still point us to Jesus. Everything about the Old Testament points us to the New Testament, to Jesus. So how does Psalms fit into my story? Worshiping God is not limited to what I'm going through, right? So one of the failures, I think, of black diasporic preaching is that we get so consumed with, with what we're going through, the pain around us, the struggles around us, and that's real. But I want you to know this. God's glory is not limited to just what you're going through. God's glory is not just limited to where you're headed. God's glory is to who God is. Worshiping God is not just about what I'm going through. Worshiping God is because it's God. And God deserves my worship. God deserves my honor. God deserves my glory. So as we study the book of Psalms, I don't want to just read it as if it's like temporarily. Like sermons and preaching aren't just to get you through today. Now, sometimes there are. But sermons and preaching is not just to get you through today. Sermons and preaching are to give you a, 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 a testimony journal, if you will, so that if life does take you through something, you have something to reference. That's when we preach and teach. This is why we preach. That's why we prophesy in part that worshiping God is not just about what I'm going through. Worshiping God is because God is good all the time, right? Secondly, my worship must be willing to be honest with God. This is a place I believe we all can grow. And I'm gonna talk about this more on Sunday, but worship must be willing to be honest with God. For some reason, I've done this. I won't even say you, I've done this. I've sugarcoated my prayers with Jesus because I didn't know Jesus could handle it. Have you done that before? Where you've sugarcoated what you want to tell Jesus because you're worried Jesus is going to judge me. We sugarcoat our prayer, sugarcoat our fasting, sugarcoat it. Well, God, 
your worship must be honest with him. Honest with him. This is where I am. This is what I've done. This is what I'm going through. This is what I'm worried about. My worship must be honest. And there's nothing that I can bring to God that God cannot handle. There is no part of your essence, no part of your being, no part of your story. Your worst sin was crucified on Calvary. And there's nothing you can, you're not going to come to God and, be, and God's going to be like, oop, forgot that sin. You're not going to come to God and be like, oop, forgot you did that. You're not going to come to God and surprise God. There's nothing you can bring to God that God can handle. So that's how Psalms fits into your story. So let's talk through the different types of Psalms there are. I hope I'm helping somebody tonight. So the different types of Psalms, there are the six different types of Psalms. There are praise Psalms, wisdom Psalms, lament Psalms, thanksgiving Psalms, royal Psalms, and historical Psalms. Each one of these psalms have a different, a lot of times the writers are a little bit different, the ways they're structured a little bit different, the ways we study them will be a little bit different because each psalm is different. Each psalm comes across in a different way, but it's going to lead us someplace. We're going to talk through what each one of these are. So let's go to the Word of God, all right? So the book of Psalms is very interesting as we do this. I want to grab this, that the book of Psalms has many songs, there are many authors, and they're written over the course of many years. That Psalms is a collection of individual songs written by more than eight different authors, thank you, over a period of 900 years. The earliest psalm was written in 1450 BC when Moses writes it. That's Psalm number 90. That's the earliest psalm. It starts with Psalm 90. From, from 1013 BC to 970 BC, David comes along and writes many different psalms during his rule as Israel's king. Then after David, from 980 BC-ish to 950 BC, where we get the end of the book of Psalms, most of the other Psalms are written by Solomon, written by the sons of Korah, and written by other unnamed authors in the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms are beautiful because everything you can find in your life is going to be in the book of Psalms, written by a myriad of people as we study the Word of God. All right? So there's different Psalms for different moments in your life. And here's the whole picture. If there's a theme I would give to this series, there's a Psalm for that. If you're dealing with depression, there's a Psalm for that. You're dealing with joy? There's a psalm for that. You're trying to find peace? There's a psalm for that. Because every single psalm is going to give us a space where we're going to be able to admire God's word, admire who God is, and celebrate the creation that God has given us. All right? So let's go ahead. Let's jump into what all the different psalms are. Thank you. Jump into all, all the different psalms are, and we're going to read through the scriptures about the different psalms. Let's first start. Grab your Bibles. Go to Psalm number 8. Go to, everybody go to the book, uh, Psalm number 8, and we're going to talk about praise psalms. Everybody go to Psalm 8. Now here's, as we study scripture, here's one thing I would love for you to do. As you study scripture, I want you to underline key words. I want you to underline, there's a verse that sends out to you. I want you to underline a ver- word that may not make sense. And as we come back in person in a couple of months, when we come to Bible study as well, as we do Bible study in person, one of the things is I would love to hear from you. We'll do dialogue, and I like, I like teaching like that um, as we come back together in a, little, a, couple of, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, or so, whenever you figure that out, for the Bible study as well. But um, I w- as we study the book of Psalms, I want you to underline, I want you to highlight, I want you to write in the margins of your Bible. I want your Bible to be a mess because you have so many notes in it because Revelation is coming. Coming. And the more we dive into the depths of God's word is the more we're going to dive into the depths of our hearts and minds and our spirit. So grab your Bibles, go to Psalm number eight. The first type of Psalm I want you to see here are the praise Psalms. The praise Psalms, the goal of the praise Psalms is admire who God is, admire God's word, and celebrate God's creation. Admire who God is, admire God's word, and celebrate his creation. Let's go to Psalm eight and see what the word of the Lord has to say. Psalm eight says this, Lord our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants. You have established a stronghold against your enemies. You've silenced the foe. You've silenced the avenger. When I consider the heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings, you care for them. This, the writer of Psalm 8 is giving God praise. Praise right here is admiring who God is. We're going to get to Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is about what God does. Praise is about who God is. And so the praise Psalms we're going to read are admiring who God is, his word, and celebrate his creation. How's your praise life? How is your praise life? How consistent, how much are you taking time to just bask and admire? Can I give you this principle? I want you to keep your head on a swivel. Keep your head on a swivel. Because a lot of times we, we keep our head on a swivel to find negative things. We love finding negative things going on in our lives, right? 
this is going over here. This, my child is making me mad. My, I want to kick the dog this morning. My car didn't start. Oh my God, it's too hot. Oh my God, it's too cold. We find ways to complain. We can admire negative things. What if you kept your head on the swivel and everywhere you looked, you were trying to find the ways that God has been good to you. I'm, over here, I see his mercy. Over here, I see how he blessed my friends. Over here, I see how he blessed my church. And if he doesn't do it, if he's not doing anything for me, I don't feel like God is doing something for me right now. I can admire that over here, he's blessing my children. Over here, he's blessing my marriage. Over there, he's blessing my home. Over there, he's blessing. When I keep my head on a swivel, I can always be able to find something because God is always worthy of the praise. Hallelujah, somebody. God is always worthy. And as we read these praise psalms, may they awaken your praise life. That when we praise God in the sanctuary, we don't have, nobody has to ask you to stand. Anybody, I got to ask you, is God good today? Anybody got to remind you that this is the day the Lord has made? You came into church and you said, baby, today I'm going to praise him because I'm admiring who he is. And so as we study Psalm 8 and we study this word of God, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Secondly, I want us to go to Psalms, uh, historical Psalms. Historical psalms are amazing psalms because historical psalms do one very simple thing. They sing about specific events to recall a lesson from the history of God's people. Historical psalms do one thing. They remind the people who God is, what God has done. And there's simple historic events. There are, there are psalms that we read and we sing and we shout about that sound like praise psalms that are literally just historical moments. And it's a journal. It's a testimony journal. This is how good God is. And I wrote down what God did for me. I'll show it to you. Go to Psalm 121. Psalm 121. I love this scripture. Psalm 121. I want you to underline, highlight. Don't forget, underline, highlight, right in the margins. What is God saying to you? Psalm 121 verses 1 and 2. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. What is the historical story? Well, the history behind this is that we sing it. Like, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Sandrea did at our funeral earlier today, did a wonderful job singing. My hell, did a wonderful job singing the song today. The context of the song should make you shout. Can I, can I, can I, get, can I just put a nickel in the meter and park there, give you the context of the song? So Psalm 121 is so beautiful. So what would happen, Steve, is that the people of Israel, they believed that enemies, others, would have different idol gods hiding in the mountains. And so they would worship the mountains, the God of rain, the God of, God of the soil, and they would worship the mountains. And so what the people of Israel said, that when we were in battle, <laughs> they didn't look at the mountains. They said God is beyond the mountains, that God is bigger than every idol you can ever begin to think about. Because so I don't lift my eyes to the mountains. Somebody ought to shout right there. I don't lift my eyes to my bank account. I don't lift my eyes to my, I lift my eyes beyond the mountains, beyond my idols, because my help doesn't come from somebody else's idol. My help comes from the Lord. And the people of Israel were calling. If there were times they worshiped the mountains and nothing happened. There were times they worshiped the mountains and nothing worked. But when they lift up their eyes beyond the mountains, they saw that God was bigger than any situation or storm in my life, that God was bigger than anybody else's idol. Somebody ought to give God praise there, that God is not a God of, but he, they, they were calling. And this is what happens. This is why we talk about these are the ones who overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, that the testimony of the saints, I can't wait to have old school testimony service with everybody. I love old school testimony service because all the testimonies are going to do is remind us that historically, yesterday, God was good. The day before yesterday, God was good. The day before yesterday, I didn't like what God did, but he was good on Monday. He was good on Tuesday. He was good on Wednesday. And God is good. And historical Psalms give us a testimony marker of the goodness of God. Let's pause. When's the last time you took a moment to write down what God did for you today? Let me back up because I actually asked how to do that. So did you write down what God did for you yesterday? Did you write down what God did for you for the day before? Let your life begin to chronolog the history of grace, the history of mercy, the history of peace. So when life overwhelms you, you've got a history book to go back to. 2012, he healed me. 2014, he set me free. 2016, he brought my son home. 2002, he brought my children home. In 1986, he healed my family. When you begin to have a history of everything that God has done, when life overwhelms you, I'll go to my history book. Historical Psalms are the history book, right? The next type of psalm I want to go to, hope this is helping somebody, are lament psalms. Lament psalms, the scripture tells us, scroll back up, lament psalms are tell God about a troubling situation and ask God for help. They tell God about a troubling situation and ask God for help. I've talked about this for a couple times so far tonight. And one of the things I want to keep harping on 
is that the book of Psalms is going to open our hearts to be honest with God. There's no reason we're more honest with our girlfriends and our, our bros than we are with God. There is no reason that we can tell our friends more than we tell God. Psalm 88. I was going to go someplace. I'm not going to go there. Psalm 88. Look at Psalm 88. Look at Psalm number 88. Psalm number 88. Psalm number 88. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I'm overwhelmed with my troubles. My life draws near to death. Do you hear this? They're honest. I'm in a troubling situation. I need your help. Look at verse four. I'm counted among those who go to the pit. I'm like the one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are caught off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavy on me. You've overwhelmed me with all your waves. You've taken from me my close friends. You made me repulsive to them. I'm confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. Do you see how heavy that is? Do you see how heavy Psalm 88 is? And the reason I want us to see that as the key verse is because I want you to see that there is nothing that is so heavy that you can't bring to God. Not blaming God, but God, this is the facts about my grief. There's a reason why Jeremiah gives us the entire book of Lamentations. He's grieving. And maybe for a lot of us, and I wanted to take a moment to pause here about lamenting, healthy lamenting, a lot of us, we do, like, I think I used this analogy last time, where we take a ball under some water, like, we have a pool at our, our house, and we have a ball, and my son will take a ball and put it under water, and we'll push the ball down, and we'll push the ball down, we'll push the ball down, and the more I push the ball down, all it's doing is creating pressure, because the moment I let go, it pops up and goes higher. Without healthy lamenting, when I come to church on Sunday, I'm just pushing trauma down, I'm pushing pain down. I'm pushing pee. I'm pushing pain down. I'm pushing frustration down. I'm pushing anger down. And I'm pushing it down. I'm pushing it down. And then somebody comes along and says the wrong thing at the wrong time. And now I explode. What lamenting does is lamenting pops the ball. Lamenting pops it. Lamenting stops you from suppressing what you can heal from. Lamenting stops you from pushing down what God's given you the authority to heal. Lamenting stops that. And so what healthy lamenting does in the book of Psalms, and we're going to have some ugly psalms. Some of the psalms you guys commented on Sunday are lament psalms. And I want to, I'm going to work through those psalms. I want to walk through those psalms. I want to slow walk those psalms because I want us to be a healed church. Everybody in the comments, just write the word heal. Come on, everybody in the comments, just write the word heal. Come on, I want us to heal. I want us to heal. Come on, heal. I want you to heal from what your mama said. You're not your daddy. You're not your worst mistake. I want you to heal. We're going to pop the ball, and, what, and we're going to do it, not because of Pastor Justin's opinion. We're going to do it because you can tell God about a troubling situation and ask him to help. And somebody knows the song, and I want to sing it. Ask the Savior to help you. Come on, someone sing it. Comfort, strengthen, and lead you. He is willing to aid you. He will carry you through. Ask the Savior to... <laughs> when you ask the Savior to help you, he will do it. I'm almost done tonight. I hope I'm helping you tonight. We've gone through these different types of psalms. Let's go to, let's go to royal psalms. Royal psalms tell us this. Royal psalms are very simple to the point. They celebrate the royalty of David and anticipate the coming of a future king who will make things right, Jesus. Now, the reason royal psalms are so important is because it reminds us of this principle of the Old Testament. The entirety of the Old Testament points us to Jesus. Everything in the Old Testament points us to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The royal Psalms give us that. Let me show you this. Go take your Bibles, take your Bibles, and I want you to write this if you want to even next to it, like royal. And where every time I preach, in, sorry, teach, you won't preach on Wednesdays. My son says I preach on Wednesdays, but I teach on Wednesdays. So every time we go to the different Psalms, I want you to write down. So go to Psalm 18 and say it's royal. Write in the comment or write in your column or your Bible, royal. Royal Psalms, look at this. Psalm 18 and verse 50 says this. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing love to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. Psalm 18 verse 50 tells us very simply, royal Psalms, we're going to see a couple of these, are ones about the royal family of David and how because Jesus is in the Davidic line, everything is going to lead to Jesus. Everything about the Old Testament points directly to Jesus. Let's go to Thanksgiving Psalms. 
and we'll end with wisdom psalms. Thanksgiving psalms, talk about praise psalms before. Praise psalms, talk about who God is, God's essence, admiring who God is. Thanksgiving psalms are going to do this, what God does. Praise who he is. Thanks what he does. Right? Be grateful to thank God for what he has done. The, the scripture I want you to go to is Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Psalm 100. It says these words. Shout for joy unto the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with thanksgiving. Know the Lord is God. He, it is he who made us, and we are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. So what do we do? Because we're thankful, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We come into his courts with praise. We are thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? Because his Lord is good, his love endures forever, and his faithfulness is to all generations. Let me break this text down really quickly because we're going to walk through this text more intentionally. Steve, you're going to have to zoom out for a second. So I want to show you something. So when we talk about Psalm 100, Psalm 100 is so powerful. I'm going to back all the way up. Because Psalm 100, at the end of the text, says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless him. So what the text is teaching us here, you can see I love this stuff, teaching the gospel. So what the text is, so entering into his gates, the gates would have been outside of the temple. So they said, the moment you get close to the temple, you just start thanking God. I want you to think about this. So I'm going to leave it where it is, Steve. So when I'm on Florida Street, we come into church, and we're on Florida Street, and you just begin to thank God. God, I thank you that you are amazing. I thank you that you are good. When you get out your car, you're not getting out your car trying to adjust all your stuff. You're getting out your car because just thankful. Thankful, thankful, thankful. Why? Because I got to Sunday. I got to church. Some of y'all be thankful in your home. I'm thankful. Thanksgiving Psalms are going to engender this. So he says, not only then am I thankful in the gates. I enter to his gates with Thanksgiving. Then once I get into the courts, so then I get into the courts and I'm so thankful in the, in the, in the parking lot. Once I get to the foyer, baby, I come into his courts with praise. Oh God, I thank you. The water I drink, the air that I breathe, the air. I'm just, I'm just grateful unto God and I'm praising God. And then when I get into the inner courts, I'm thankful unto him and I bless his name. Why? Because at the back court, I got to go back, at the outer court and at the inner court, the Lord was good. When I got to the inner court, the Lord was good. When I got into the sanctuary, the Lord was good. And what Thanksgiving Psalms are going to show us, that Thanksgiving is not a thought. Thanksgiving is a lifestyle. That Thanksgiving, giving thanks unto God, is a consistent thing that from the outside of my life, to the inside of my life, I give him thanks. When I get to the closeness of God, I give him thanks. And what Thanksgiving Psalms are going to show us is Thanksgiving Psalms are not just what we sing on Thanksgiving weekend. Thanksgiving Psalms are not just the ones we do in testimony time. Every time I get a chance among God's people, I'm showing you that Thanksgiving is not just something I think about. It's a lifestyle. In Thanksgiving Psalms, Psalm 100 shows us Thanksgiving is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. That's a good t-shirt. I got all these t-shirt ideas, y'all. Thanksgiving is a lifestyle. Hashtag lifestyle. Thanksgiving is a lifestyle. And as we study the book of Psalms, I want you to see Thanksgiving is not just something we do occasionally. It's not just when somebody gets up and says, what are you thankful for? Then you don't have to ask me what I'm thankful for. I woke up. I am breathing. I am moving. Thanksgiving is a lifestyle. And Psalms can teach that. And the last type of psalm there is are wisdom psalms. Wisdom Psalm teach us this. We celebrate living in a way that honors God. Go to Psalm 1. Go to Psalm 1. Psalms of wisdom celebrate living in a way that honors God. Blessed is the, the man or woman who does not walk in step with the wicked, nor stand in the way of the sinner's take, nor sits in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night, That person is like a tree planted by the rivers of water whose fruit yields in its season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever they do prospers. But not so the wicked. They're like the chaff. The wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not sin in judgment nor sinners in the assembly of righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. What wisdom psalm teach us is that living a life that is honorable to God is worth celebration. Have you ever noticed how we spend a lot of time, especially in church spaces, talking about folk whose lives are dishonorable? Hear this. Not in God's eyes, but in your eyes. Child. Like, so when someone, we have, we have altar call, and sis goes up to the altar, and you like, ooh, I know why she at the altar. Ooh, why? Instead of focusing on God, we over here gossiping. So we want to celebrate 
the, the life that we assume is dishonorable, instead of honoring that that sis is at the altar. Brock comes into church. We assume his life is dishonorable. And so we want to talk about the life is dishonorable. We, we talk about people so much. I've been here for 96 hours-ish. And I can tell you the dirt on like eight different pastors. That's so, I mean, I could just tell you because I've, I've heard more dirt about people who we assume lives are dishonorable instead of like, man, who are some honorable people? What about you? You are honorable people. I met some amazing people at the church on Sunday. Honorable. I shook someone's hand. I shook a deacon's hand. And I didn't want to let his hand go because I just knew that was it's a life of honor. What if we spent more time telling people, you, I celebrate you. I celebrate that you are trying to read your Bible, to follow the word of God. I celebrate that you are living a life of, I celebrate you are there for your kids, man. I celebrate that you are, you are, you are paying off debt. I celebrate that you are debt free. I celebrate that you are owning the fact that you are the lender and you are not the borrower. I'm celebrating that you are living a life that honors God. Let our church be a church. We don't talk about or make fun of or poke at people we assume are living a dishonorable life. But let us be a church that celebrates honorable life. Those husbands and wives that show up to church and to stay together the entire service. When we honor you, those children that come and read scripture, I honor you. That mom that is taking care of your kids and you are killing it, I honor you. All of you who come to Tuesday morning prayer meeting, I honor you. Those of you who come to Wednesday night prayer meeting at 6, I honor you are working to live a life that is, those of you who are here right now at Bible study, you done stuck through me. <laughs> I celebrate you. And Psalm 1 celebrates what that is. Blessed are they who do not walk with the wicked, stand where sinners are, or sit in the company mocker, but you delight the law of the Lord. You guys ask for Psalm number 1, and we're going to study Psalm number 1 as well. The purpose of all of this that I wanted to go through tonight was a way for us to see what the book of Psalms are going to do. The book of Psalms are going to open up spaces in our lives, our emotions, in our health, in our emotional health, our mental health, our physical health, and our church health. It's going to allow us to unpack what it means to be one with God, what it means to have emotionally healthy worship. Now, these different types of Psalms, I pray that you can see the different ways that God is working through royalty, wisdom, history, thanksgiving, praise, so that we can see and lament to see God's fullness, to see God's glory. So what do we mean? So what about, what about kneeling in prayer? How do we pray, kneeling in prayer? How do we pray through these? Because one of the things you're going to hear me say as we study the book of Psalms is the necessity to pray the scriptures. And when I say pray the scriptures, I don't mean you get on your knees, you get on the floor, you take your Bible, you just begin to read it. But I want you to begin in your prayer time to begin to add scripture to your prayer time. And so I want to give you three ways to do that on your knees, and I'm not going to take all the time in the world to go through those, but if you uh, grab your Bibles, and this is what knee time is all about. The first thing I want you to hear, what kneeling does. So first of all, um, we kneel in pursuit. We kneel in pursuit. Uh, give me one second. We kneel in pursuit. We're going to see that referenced in Mark 10, uh, verse, sorry, kneel in pursuit. Mark 10, verse 17, and Psalm 42, verses 1 through 5. That when I kneel unto God, I'm kneeling because I'm pursuing. When we pray the scriptures, we are pursuing God. We're infusing the word of God into our prayer lives. And so as we pray the Psalms, as we study Psalms, I want you to pray and kneel in pursuit. Kneel in pursuit. I'm pursuing the glory of God. Psalm 42 is powerful. My, the, 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 the text talks about, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, O God that their soul was as dry as a desert. And they said, when I'm famished, my soul, my body is weak. I'm going to pursue where God is. So when you kneel, when you pray, you are praying, pursuing where God is, who God is, and what God is trying to show you. You're not pursuing the world's understanding of success. You're not pursuing capitalism. You're pursuing the glory. Hallelujah. You are pursuing the glory. You're pursuing the glory. You're pursuing his presence. You're pursuing who he is. 
You're pursuing healing. I believe the miracle signs and wonders can still happen in this world today. I believe that healing, I believe the raising, I believe in the raising of the dead. I believe that God has given, equipped the saints for the work of ministry. And when I kneel in pursuit, I'm kneeling because my soul is famished and I cannot live today without Jesus. And so today I'm going to pursue. And when I get on my knees, when I'm praying unto God, we pray the scriptures, we are praying because I cannot make it today without the glory of God. And only my kneeling in pursuit but I'm also secondly kneeling in repentance. Psalm 51 is a story about David after he was checked by the prophet for the sins he committed. David begins to try out the groaning of his soul. But what he did was he repented. Too many of us are remembering what God has forgotten. Oh, I'm going to give you all that again. So too many of us are remembering things that God has forgotten. Kneeling in repentance says, God, thank you that you forgot it. And I'm, I'm bringing it out to you, God, so I don't have to talk about it again because maybe the freedom a lot of us need is to forgive yourself. And when I kneel in repentance, I'm honoring the forgiveness of God by forgiving myself. David had to forgive himself. When I pray the scriptures, I'm praying in pursuit of God I'm praying in repentance. Repentance is not beating yourself up. Repentance is God. Build up the places where my sin tore me down. Build up the places, God, where my ego tore me apart. Build up the places by your blood where my sin, my pain, my pride, my arrogance, my sin almost destroyed me. David's soul groaned. And when I kneel in prayer, I'm kneeling to pursue God. I'm kneeling to repent to God. And thirdly and finally, I'm kneeling in submission to God. I'm kneeling because I want the will of God. And my kneeling unto God, my praying unto God, when we pray the scriptures, is because, God, I'm submitting my language for your language. I'm submitting my thoughts for your thoughts. I'm submitting my ways for your ways. I'm submitting what I want for what you want. And a lot of us, as we grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, we need to get off our agenda and get back on God's agenda. We need to get off what we want and love what God has already crafted. I was telling a colleague this today as I was talking to them. I said, you know, it's amazing to me how we try to walk into doors that are locked when God has already opened the door. Matter of fact, Jesus said, I am the door. And we try to, we're kicking down locked doors and God says it's open. We're kicking down a job, and God says, and we're not, because we're not submitting. And when I pray in submission, submission says, Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, guide me. So as we go to our knee time today, as we begin this series in the book of Psalms, where, what are you pursuing? Where do you need to repent? And where is God calling you to submit to him? Where are you pursuing? So everybody, if you will, wherever you are, let's go to our knee time. Let's, let's just get on our knees together. And I want to lead us in prayer. I want to lead us in prayer tonight. I'll give you a chance to get on your knees wherever you are. As the deer pants, as the deer panteth for water so my soul longs for you you alone are my heart's desire you as you get on your knees today as we go to our knee time as we pray the scriptures we have there's a reason why the old deacon used to say here I am O Lord knee bent body bowed because when I kneel in pursuit I kneel in repentance I kneel in submission God will take me places I didn't know eyes had ever seen. So I'll get on my knees as well. I want us to, to heal in my life. Hallelujah. And I want you in this moment as we begin to go to prayer unto God, I want you to empty your soul out to God. Come on, I want you to empty that, emo that negative emotion. God, my anxiety to kneel in pursuit. So I want you to shift your language. I want you to kneel in pursuit. God, I want healing in my home. 
God, I pray for healing on my job. I pray for mismanaged your resources, been poor stewards of our time, been poor stewards of our gift, God. And today we kneel in repentance. God, take the pain of our sin off of us, God. Remind us of what you did on Calvary's cross. And tonight, God, we are groaning tonight, God. God, I pray for my friends. As we say, God, give us your We submit to your way in the name of Jesus. We submit to what you want in the name of Jesus. We submit to what you have for us in the name of Jesus. We submit to how you're going to drag us to the future in the name of Jesus. We submit, my everlasting lands. Open us. Fill us. Heal us. So, God, we kneel tonight pursuing you. We kneel tonight repenting to you. We kneel tonight saying, God, your will is what we want. So Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on friendship. Hallelujah. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh. Hallelujah. Oh, my God, on friendship. Spirit of the living God. I, I, God, I, I thank you right now for how you're falling fresh on leaders, how you're falling fresh on homes how you're going to break our minds, how you're going to break our ways, how you're going to heal our relationships, how you're going to restore spirit of the living God. Fall fresh on my church. Melt us and mold us. God, open us up that we might see baptisms on Easter in Jesus' name. Open us up, God, that we might see families restored on our services in Jesus' name. God, open our hearts that we come with a spirit of expectation to heal, that addicts will lose the taste and families will be restored and children will watch your word. Open our hearts and our minds and our hands, God, to be receptive to everything you have in store in the name of Jesus, God. I just thank you right now for healing. I thank you right now for restoration. I thank you right now for how you're opening up heaven over this space. So God, blow the, our minds and frustrate the devil in the name of Jesus. Anything my feeble words haven't been able to communicate, God, take my heart. I lay it at your feet in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We kneel in pursuit. We kneel in repentance. We kneel in submission. We kneel in pursuit. We kneel in repentance. We kneel in submission. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we are absent from one another. May the Lord keep us. That text is so powerful. May the Lord keep us when I'm causing discord in my family. That text is so powerful. There were two people that couldn't stand each other. And as they departed, their prayer was, God, may the Lord watch as we depart. Because as we depart, we're going to depart to do better. We're going to depart to heal. We're going to depart to become all that you've called us to be. So church, I'm excited to worship with us in person. I'm excited to see some of you next week. I'm excited to see this. We have Monday, Thursday service next Thursday. I'm excited to see those of you going to come out for Monday, Thursday. I'm excited to see us. I'm excited to see you on Zoom the next couple of days. May the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent. Because we're going to do the will of God. We're going we're gonna to do it. Oh my God, I feel confirmed in my spirit right now. I'm trying to leave this and Steve's going to have to cut me off in a second. But I feel confirmed that this is the season God's about to blow. If you believe, blow our minds. God's going to blow. Go, I expect, I can't wait for a prayer meeting in person again because God's going to blow our expectations. I feel it. If you believe it, come on, somebody say it is so. If you believe that God is about to blow our expectations out the water in the comment section, flood this, it is so. That is my response, call response to God as I study scripture. And I just want you to say it is so. It is so. And if you believe that God is about to explode our minds with expectation, blow our expectations, blow our limits off. If you believe that God is about to take the limits off, I can't wait for the days where we have to have arguments about how many people are coming to church, how many 
these services we're having. Somebody say it is so. And I'm just walking in the spirit now, but I'm, I'm excited about the fruitfulness. I can't wait to engage in the ministries that are already here. And I'm excited about the fruit that you, you all, let me tell you something, and I'm, I'm done after this. You all have planted. I want to affirm every person this season that rain comes because seed is in the ground. And I truly believe that harvest is on the way. If you believe it, somebody say it is so. I believe harvest in our young people. I believe harvest with our children. I believe harvest with our young adults. I believe harvest. Oh my God, I, I'm sorry. I believe harvest in our worship experience. I believe harvest in baptisms. I believe harvest in baby dedications. I believe harvest in the study of scripture. I believe harvest in disciple making. I believe harvest and I believe that God is about to work a miracle through all of us. And I said this after church on Sunday and I'm gonna give you this declaration that God is about to restore the years, hallelujah, that locusts have eaten away at your psyche, at your mind and your body and your soul. And I believe this season that God is bringing and raising a standard among all of us. It's not your frustration, he's raising the standard. It's not your anger, he's raising the standard. It's not your pain, he's raising the standard. And you're uncomfortable because you're growing. But tell somebody, please be patient because God is raising the standard and it does not yet appear. Hallelujah, what we shall be. Mark my words this night when we come back and look at this tape in a year from now that God has blown our expectations because you all put seed in the ground and we're about to reap harvest. I'll see you Sunday live at 8 and 11 o'clock. May God do amazing things to you. If you would, tell somebody this will be your best week. This will be your best week. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'll see you Sunday morning. We're praying together, fasting together, grooving together. Keep in touch with your email, in touch with all the ways we're on the social media. I'm excited to see God at work in all of us. Y'all know this. FNBC is a place to be. You are somebody. Have a great night. God bless you.